Are you ready for the word? Turn to Luke chapter 2. Christmas, I believe, is more a remembrance than a festival that we observe. Because nowhere in the scriptures are we commanded to observe the birth of Jesus Christ. His death, yes. And we observe his death in the communion. We remember his death there. Amen. But not his birth. And there is no indication that his birth was on 25th of December. In fact, the Eastern Orthodox Church celebrates Christmas on the 7th of January. So in Eastern Europe and in Russia, Christmas is celebrated on the 7th of January. Do they have a different Jesus? No. Well, what's the, what's the problem then? The problem here is that no one knows the exact date of his birth. And then many Christians point to the pagan roots of Christmas as a festival to make the argument that genuine Christians should not celebrate Christmas. Okay? Now, I believe that if the opportunity is there in a season that the entire world observes, not even Christians, but even unbelievers, because of the popularity of the day, if the opportunity is there for the church to preach the gospel, then I believe there's nothing wrong in observing Christmas as a time of remembrance. And that is why we had the Christmas giveaway. Now, evangelism should be done throughout the year. But this season gives us a greater opportunity to evangelize because the hearts of people are open and we have access into homes with Christmas gifts. And that is why we did the evangelism here because of the opportune moment that is given to us in this season. Amen. And even for Christians, I believe if the opportunity is there in this season to be reminded again of the good news of Jesus Christ, of His grace, then there's nothing wrong in observing this. But it is not like a holy festival that we are so hung up on like other religions do in their festivals. All right? So understand that. Let's look at Luke chapter 2, verse 8 to 11. Now there were in the same country shepherds living out in the fields, keeping watch over the flock by night. And behold, an angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were greatly afraid. Then the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which will be to all people. For there is born to you this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. The birth of Jesus is accompanied by the proclamation of good news from heavenly messengers. And the main headlines is this. A Savior is born in the city of David. That's the main headlines. Okay? But within that main headlines, we know that there are many other little good news that actually bring out the beauty of this headline so that we appreciate the gospel of Jesus Christ better. For example, if Argentina wins the World Cup tonight, yeah, how many of you are celebrating or supporting Argentina? If Ar All right. Vanguard is for Argentina. 
If Argentina wins the World Cup, the headline tomorrow is going to be Argentina wins FIFA 2022 World Cup. But we know that within that broad headline, there are going to be many small news. For example, Messi finally wins his cup. Messi, the greatest player, you know, there are going to be many small little news. So in the same manner, proclaiming the birth of Jesus Christ as the Savior of the world includes many little good news under that broad headline, which if we understand the little news, helps us to understand and appreciate that broad headline much better. So today I'm going to be sharing with you three of those little good news included in this broad headline. All right? The first is this. Do not be afraid. As the angel said. The second is this. Good tidings of great joy. And the third is to all people. To all people. So make sure you're taking notes. Do you know that there is a terrible sickness that has plagued humanity for thousands of years? For which medicine has found no cure, science has found no remedy, and education has no solution. It is a sickness that causes heart disease and heart failure. Hypertension. It's a sickness that causes depression, mental illnesses, and even suicide in men. It's a condition that causes men to react in uncontrollable anger, unbridled greed, to react in overwhelming suspicion between husband and wives, between nations and between one another, so that men begin to be divided. Families begin to be separated. Husband and wives get divorced and even nations destroy one another. You will see this sickness everywhere. In kindergarten school, you will see it in schools, you will see it in colleges, you will see this sickness in universities, in hospitals, in places of business, even in dignified halls of government, sanctified place of worship, in the marketplaces where people are shopping, you will see this sickness. You will see this sickness even in homes of poverty, in the third world nations, in the rich nations. You will see this sickness even in the homes of billionaires. Every human being has experienced and keeps experiencing this sickness. Do you know the word of this sickness? This sickness is called fear. Fear. And it began in the Garden of Eden when Adam and Eve sinned. And God came to Adam and Eve and said, Where are you? And Adam said, I heard your voice in the garden. And I was afraid. Everyone say, I was afraid. And I was afraid and I hid myself because I was naked. That is the beginning of the sickness. And very soon you saw it in the heart of Cain when God received Abel's sacrifice. Cain's heart was filled with fear that he would be left behind. And he killed Abel. And you see it even in the heart of Saul. When David begins to achieve more, Saul's heart is filled with fear. You have seen it in every experience of life. In every scenario of life. Even our ancestors who lived in this land experienced this. When there was no rain, they had fear for the future, for the harvest. When there was darkness that came on the land because there was no electricity... 
They lived in fear in homes where they would not go out and all our children folk tales are to do with demons that are there in the darkness. All right? When there was sickness, hearts would be filled with fear. This is a sickness that plagues all mankind. And our ancestors developed animistic practices and rituals like sacrifices of animals in order to cope with this fear. In fact, in every community around the world, people have developed their own religious faiths. They have developed their own practices in order to cope with this fear. And yet the fear remains. The sickness remains. Medicine cannot cure this. Money cannot protect you from fear. Power cannot quench this fear. And even geography cannot solve it. You can go and hide in the jungle and live in the cabin by yourself. And yet, this fear will still follow you. You know why? Because it's a sickness that resides in the hearts of men. In the minds of men. Are you following me? You know why? Because the origin of this sickness is in the spirit. It's not a physical sickness. It's even not just a mental sickness. The origin is in the spirit. In 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 7, the Bible says, For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. Fear is a spirit. The origin is spiritual. And that's why it affects the heart and the minds of men. Are you following me? So if the origin is spiritual and the nature is spirit, then the cure, the remedy, the solution must also be spiritual. Amen. Can you say amen? Hallelujah. See, look at the origin. Genesis chapter 3 verse 10. Adam says, I heard your voice in the garden. I was afraid. And I hid myself because I was naked. So men begin to experience fear. Why? Because men sinned. Adam and Eve sinned. And the moment they sinned, the relationship with God was broken. And the moment the relationship with God was broken, they realized that they were naked. In other words, the covering of righteousness was lost. Because they were created in the image of God. God is love. God is spirit. God is gracious. God is kind and so on. But God is also righteous. So when Adam and Eve <clears throat> were created in the image of God, not only did they have relationship with God, not only did they have the ability given to them from God, not only were they able to function in the garden as ambassadors of God, they also carried God's righteousness as a covering over them. But the moment they sinned, they lost this covering. The righteousness. Hallelujah. And the moment they realized that they were naked, fear entered their heart. The root of fear is the fall of mankind. The sin that began to plague the hearts of mankind. Now if you look at Hebrews chapter 2, the Bible tells us that because of this fear, men are in bondage. Hebrews 2 verse 14 to 15. 
Inasmuch then as the children have partaken of flesh and blood, he himself likewise shared in the same. Jesus shared in flesh and blood. Amen. The incarnation is the miracle of God who dwelt in eternity taking on human flesh and blood for the purpose of redeeming us. Not only as God, but also as the second Adam, as a man without sin. That's why he partook of flesh and blood. He himself likewise shared in the same, that through death he might destroy him who had the power of death, that is the devil. That doesn't mean that the devil can decide when you're going to die. The word death here also means separation. It also means eternal judgment from God. And because of sin, Satan had power over mankind. Because of sin, man was destined to face eternal judgment from God, to be eternally separated from God. And that is the power that the devil had over mankind. But the Bible tells us in verse 15 that Jesus, by tasting death on our behalf, released those, everyone say release, who through fear of death because of sin were all their lifetime subject to bondage. Through fear, we are subject to bondage. The beginning of fear that is from sin, the fall of man, begins to create other bondages in the lives of men. The word fear here is the word phobos, from where we get our word phobia. And phobia has manifested in so many different areas. For example, some of you are afraid of spiders. Right? Some of you are afraid of rats. That's a phobia. Some of you are afraid of heights. That's a phobia. Some of you are afraid of growing old. That's why you lie about your age. That's a phobia. Right? Some of you are afraid of hanging out in society. You want to be all by yourself alone. Some of you are afraid of coming on the stage. So our minds and our hearts have been plagued by various phobias. That's a bondage. It's a bondage. Phobia. Now, you may not understand it, but I tell you this. The root of all phobias is the fear that came from sin. It's a fear that came, the root is because of the fall of man in the Garden of Eden. So the devil, through sin and death, and mankind's separation from God because of man's sin, tormented the hearts and the minds of men daily with his fear and bondage. But Jesus Christ, because he tasted death for us on the cross, has released those who believe in him from these bondages. I have experienced fear, tormenting fear. And let me tell you, it is suffocating. It is a bondage that God does not want you to have in your life. Now the question is this. Why is the birth of Jesus Christ good news for those who live in fear? Well, it's very simple. If you believe in Jesus Christ, you do not have to live in fear anymore. If you believe in Jesus Christ, that is a cure to the sickness of fear. See, fear entered the heart of men because of sin. In the Garden of Eden, Adam and Eve. They lost their righteous standing with God and that is how 
fear entered the heart of men and thereby it continued. But when Jesus died on the cross for our sins, the redemption of Christ is the solution for this. I want you to turn to Ephesians chapter 1, verse 7. The death of Jesus Christ on the cross addresses two main issues that Adam and Eve lost. First was their sin. Second was their nakedness. Not only did they sin, they became naked before God. And they began to realize they have to trust in themselves. They cannot trust in God anymore because the relationship was lost. You see, many times fear you feel in your heart when you are left by yourself. When you have to trust in yourself. When you have to depend on yourself. And that's why men try to cope with fear by trying in their own ability to get power, to get wealth, to be able to get all the news. We become control freaks. Why are we control freaks? It's because of fear. We are trying to control our environment. But we cannot control our environment. And the more we try to control the environment, we're actually feeding your fear. Because when Adam and Eve realized they were by themselves, man has this instinctive response that we must by ourselves try to help our children, try to help our future, try to help ourselves. And when we rely on ourselves more and more and more, it leads to fear increasing in our lives. Are you following me? Ephesians 1.7, In Him we have redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of sins according to the riches of His grace. Come on, let's read it together. One, two, three. In Him we have redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of sins according to the riches of His grace. We have forgiveness of sins. That's the beauty of the gospel. That's the blessed message of grace. We have in Him. How many of you have Christ? Can I see your hands? How many of you believe in Christ? If you do, the Bible says you have, along with Christ, forgiveness of sins. Forgiveness of sins is a one-time gift. A permanent gift. The word forgiveness is noun. It's a gift. It's something you receive the moment you accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. The Bible does not say you will have, you will have forgiveness of sins when you live a good life. The Bible doesn't say you will have forgiveness of sins when you have good works. That's what a lot of religious Christians believe. That's what a lot of preachers preach. But the Bible doesn't say that. The Bible says you have. You have. It's something you possess right now. Turn to your neighbor and say, I have forgiveness of sins. And that includes every single sin. It includes your sins of the past. It includes the sins of the present. And includes the sins of the future. Every single sin you have ever committed, you will ever commit has been forgiven on the cross. Can you say Amen? Amen. That is the blessed news of grace in the gospel. Now why is this so important? Because... Sin is where fear began. But if sin has been dealt with, 
If the root has been dealt with by the sacrifice and the blood of Jesus Christ, and if God is no longer judging you for your sins, then the fruit must also be destroyed. The fruit is fear. Sin is the root. So if you have this faith, I am forgiven of all my sins. It means guilt cannot get a hold of your heart. Condemnation cannot remain in your heart. Then it means fear cannot stay. I have experienced freedom from fear simply by confessing this scripture so many times. I am forgiven of all my sins. Even when I have fear of my future, you know what I do? I say this, I'm forgiven of all my sins. And if I'm forgiven of all my sins, there is no guilt and condemnation. And if there's no guilt and condemnation, there can be no curse that can come. And that means my future cannot be cursed. My future is blessed. Why? Because I'm forgiven. <clears throat> that basic truth is the most powerful truth. I'm forgiven of all my sins. Even when there is fear of the dark, fear of demonic oppression, fear of depression, fear of sickness, I confess this scripture. I'm forgiven of all my sins. And if I'm forgiven of my sins, it means there is no guilt. It means I'm righteous. It means the Satan has no right to bring this in my life. Satan has no authority over my life. No curse can alight upon my life, upon my children, or my family. You know why? Because I'm forgiven of my sins. Can you say hallelujah? Hallelujah. Look at another verse. Romans chapter 5 verse 19. <clears throat> Romans chapter 5 verse 19. Why do people believe that when they get cancer, when they are sick in the hospital, because of things they have done wrong in the past, they're paying the price for it? So many people believe they're paying the price. Listen, you don't pay the price for your past sins by your sins, by your, by your sicknesses. Your sickness is not strong enough to pay the price for your sins. You can get a thousand cancers. It will not pay the price for one sin. This is the deception of religion that has taught us that by going through pain and suffering, we're paying the price for our sins. You cannot pay the price for a single sin you commit. Get 10,000 cancer. It will not pay the price for your sins. What deception have you believed through religion? The price is the blood. Can you say with me? The price is the blood of Jesus. Is the blood of Jesus. And the blood of Jesus, it flowed freely. And we receive the forgiveness from the blood simply by believing in Jesus. Hallelujah. Because the moment you think 
This sickness is justified to remain in my body because of my sins. You lose the faith, the ability to believe and fight against the disease. You resign yourself to the faith. And you say, I can't help it. You have resigned yourself to that fate. Hallelujah. Romans 5, 19. For as by one man's disobedience, many were made sinners, so also by one man's obedience, many will be made righteous. By one man's disobedience, many were made sinners, so also by one man's obedience, many will be made righteous. So the first man whose disobedience made us sinners is Adam. The second one man whose obedience makes us righteous is Jesus Christ. Can you say Jesus Christ? We are made righteous because of Jesus' obedience. Not our obedience. Jesus' obedience. His obedience to fulfill the law of God. His obedience to go to the cross and die representing all humanity. His obedience makes us righteous. 2 Corinthians 5.21 says, God made Jesus who knew no sin to become sin for us so that we might become the righteousness of God in Him. That's an exchange that takes place on the cross. We receive that exchange when we believe in Jesus Christ. That's the gift of righteousness. The gift of righteousness is more than just a declaration over us. It is a covering. It is a covering over us that gives us access into the very presence of God. We are clothed in the robes of righteousness, the Bible says. Remember the parable of the wedding party? That the king did not allow some guests to enter into the wedding party and some were thrown out of the wedding party because they did not have wedding clothes? You know what that wedding cloth is? It's called the righteousness of God. The righteousness of God. It's shining, glory, bright garments that we wear because we are washed in the blood of Jesus Christ. Because of Adam's sin, mankind became naked. Because of Jesus' sacrifice, men who believe in Him are clothed and we are no longer naked. Can you say Amen? Hallelujah! So if the fall of man is the root of fear, the redemption of Christ is a cure for fear. What do we see in the redemption? We see perfect love. The perfect love of God. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son. So in the redemption of Christ, we see the love of God perfected, completed. And that's why 1 John chapter 4, verse 11 onward says, This is love. Not that we love Him, but that He loved us first and gave His Son to be the propitiation for our sins. Jesus dying on the cross for us is the love of God completed. Can you say Amen? And that's why 1 John verse 4, verse 18 Look at this scripture. 1 John 4, 18 says this. There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear. There is a remedy for fear. If there was a cure for cancer advertised today, 
people will just go and buy it and hoard it. But if you tell people there is a cure for fear, people are like, ah, it's all right. I'm telling you this. This is not only for unbelievers. This is for believers. So many believers are plagued with fear. So many believers cannot sleep at night because of fear. And the various forms of fear called anxiety, worry, stress. There's a cure. And that cure is called the love of God. Perfect love casts out fear. Can you say amen? Hallelujah. This is the message of Christmas. That because Jesus came, the good news is that men do not have to live in fear anymore. Because the cure for fear is not medicines, it's not money, it's not power. The cure for fear is not even church. It's not even singing songs. It's not even praying. The cure for fear is a man. And his name is Jesus. And it is when you receive this man in your life and trust in this man and walk daily trusting in the promises of this man, trusting in the nature of this man, trusting in the goodness of this man, we experience freedom from fear. So when the angel said, do not be afraid, it was not spoken only to those shepherds. It is spoken to all of us. Every day of our lives. God doesn't want us to live in fear because we are not created for fear. Can you say hallelujah? Do you have fear of being condemned? Well, the Bible says, there is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. Do you have fear of sickness? The Bible says Jesus is our Jehovah Rapha, the God who heals. Do you have fear of being lonely in old age? The Bible says Jesus is a Jehovah Shammah, the God who is always present, who will never leave you, never forsake you. Do you have fear of the future? Well, the good news is God created time. And all time is in His hands and Jesus is in the future. Do you have fear of provision? What you will even celebrate with in this season. The Bible says He is a Jehovah Jireh. He is a God who provides. Christmas time can be a stressful time for many families. Because you're always wondering, how am I going to spend? How am I going to give gifts? Listen, if you don't have money, don't give gifts. There's no pressure to give gifts. Don't try to copy everyone. Why? I mean, if you can't give pork, meat, cakes, pray for them. That is better. Go and give the gift of your company. Don't put unnecessary pressure on yourself. Give Whatever the Lord leads. There's no pressure in just trying to copy what everyone is doing in this season. That's why people get stressful in this season. And then they start comparing. Well, he got that. I didn't get anything. And my friends got this wonderful gift. No one gives me. And you start feeling sorry for yourself. 
A lot of people enter into self-pity because they're thinking, no one is visiting me. Why? The whole year no one visited you, but only in Christmas time you feel no one visited you. <laughs> Listen, all of these are forms of fear. Fear. And the solution is Jesus Christ. Amen. If you have fear of being cursed, the Bible says we are redeemed from every curse of the law. He who is blessed by Christ cannot be cursed. Can you say amen? Hallelujah. So put your trust in Jesus. And surrender all your fears to Him today. Hallelujah. The second is this. Great joy. Everyone say great joy. There's going to be great joy today in Argentina or in France. That joy will be the result of either victory or triumph. Do you know that on July 22, 2013, Kate, also known as the Duchess of Cambridge, gave birth to a boy at 4.24 p.m., the third in line to the British throne. And when that boy was born, cries of joy erupted from the waiting crowd amassed outside Buckingham Palace. Not only that, William's father, Charles and his wife Camilla, spoke of the joy and pride in becoming grandparents for the first time. The birth of an heir to a kingdom, a nation, is received with great joy because the hope and future of the nation rests on the child. Because the hope of the people is that he will grow and mature to be a strong and wise leader and carry the nation further into glory and heights of blessing. We see that throughout history. That's why angels declared in the birth of Jesus Christ, great joy to all people. Great joy to all people. Why? Because wrapped up in that baby boy in Bethlehem, rested all the hope of humanity. A hope of every nation. And even the hope of a new heavens and a new earth. Wrapped up in that little baby boy. Amen. That great joy was the truth that God who seemed far away has now come in the flesh as Emmanuel. That great joy is the truth that through this birth, God has come to forgive us of all our sins and make us right with Him so that we can be reconciled back to Him. That great joy was because He had come to heal, deliver, and transform mankind into sons of God. That great joy was because when Jesus died on the cross, the veil in the temple separating the presence of God from the people was torn in two from top to bottom signifying that there is now no separation between God and those who believe in Jesus Christ. And we are now one with God. That great joy is because when Jesus rose from the dead, He defeated death and those who believe in Him will never die. That great joy is because Jesus has gone to make a way for us, a place for us in His Father's mansion and He will come back to receive us. As his bride. 
That great joy is because he will reign in the future as king of kings and lord of lords in the throne of David in Jerusalem for a thousand years. That great joy is because, because of his death and because of his resurrection, there will be a new heavens and a new earth in the days to come. That great joy was announced not only to the shepherds, but it was announced for all eternity, including a new heaven and a new earth. What if you were told today that because of what this man did, by paying the price for sin and the fall of mankind, there is hope for all humanity, not also for today, but also for eternity. Even though darkness seems to increase today, darkness will never win. Even though seems to fill, sin seems to fill the earth, sin will never win. Even though evil seems to be increasing, the devil will never win. Because of this birth, victory is announced for eternity. Can you say Amen? Hallelujah. The Bible says in Isaiah 9 verse 7 about this child. Of the increase of his government and peace, there will be no end. What began in Bethlehem will never end. The government shall be upon his shoulders. He will carry the government of the kingdom of God, of peace and joy and salvation, and there will be no end forever. And that means because no matter what may be happening in your life or in the world, you can rejoice that you have Jesus, you have eternal life, you have salvation. Today, you can rejoice. And this season, no matter whether you have lots of money, whether you don't have money, lots of friends, very little friends, you can rejoice every day. Because the joy doesn't come from temporary happenings of our lives. The joy comes from the eternity we have in our heart. Can you say Amen? Hallelujah. We rejoice in His birth because He saved us from our sins. We will rejoice in His second coming because He will reign for eternity as King and Kings. Hallelujah. He will establish an eternal kingdom. The Bible says the lions will lay down with the lamb. Tears will be wiped away. Sorrows will cease. And there will be a new heavens and a new earth. I want to ask you this question today. Have you experienced this joy in your life? This joy doesn't come from things we buy, things that people give us. This joy comes from having Him in our life. And the third good news today is this. All people. This news is not only for a select few, a religious few, a holy few, a worthy few. Those who live in sanctified places of worship. Those who have gone through theological degrees and have come to great knowledge. This is for all people. Can you say all people? It's not only for the Jews, the physical descendants of Abraham. It's not only for good people, rich people, worthy people, powerful people. It's for all people. Pastor Ren was telling us yesterday that when the team went to a certain house, the husband and the wife were both alcoholics, were both drunk that evening, and the husband did not come out because he was drunk. And the wife said, no church has ever come and visited us all these years. And she added, I know that they don't want to come because we are drunkards. 
No. The fact that they were drunkards is real. But I don't think churches don't want to visit them because they are drunkards. It's just that churches miss people. We cannot cover everyone in Kohima. Amen. And yet people would feel they're talking about the feeling, they're talking about the perception. Because we are drunkards, we are disqualified from the church visiting us. I don't think any church hates people. Are you following me? Yet because of their sin and because of the condemnation they feel, they feel disqualified. They think that disqualified even though they are not. And because mankind, we are not perfect, we can't reach every home. And those people we don't reach think they're not worthy to be visited because we did not reach the home. But in Christ, everyone is worthy. In Christ, everyone is qualified. You know why? Because Jesus died for all people. Amen. Hallelujah. John chapter 3 verse 15 says that whoever John 3 verse 15 that whoever whoever everyone say whoever not only the good, the righteous not only the worthy not only the theologian, not only the perfect, whoever. And the good news is, it includes you today. Whoever. Little children who don't understand much, Jesus will still accept them. Whoever. Mentally disabled, cannot converse with you, but if they believe in Jesus, even just for a brief momentary moment, they are accepted. Whoever. How unworthy you feel, how sinful you feel, whoever. Because this declaration is good tidings to all people. Everyone say all people. All races of people. All qualities of people. Sometimes people think Christianity is a Western religion. It's not a Western religion. People in Nagaland think Christianity is only for Nagas. It's not for Nagas. Jesus is for all people. Can you say all people? Amen. And that is good news. Because no one is excluded. Religion will exclude. Religion makes many qualifications. You have to fulfill these requirements. You have to fulfill this penance. You have to make these sacrifices. And only then you are accepted. But in Christ, under the cross, everyone is included. If you will only open your heart and believe in Him. Hallelujah. Shall we bow our heads and close our eyes? If you have been blessed through this podcast, we invite you to partner with us in sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ from Nagaland to the nations. We make all our series available for free, but it does cost us time, effort, and money to do it. So the support of people such as you will enable us to reach more people in more regions. Remember, when you give, the Word of God says in 2 Corinthians 9.8 that God is able to make all grace abound towards you. That you, always having all sufficiency, all things, may have an abundance of every good work. If you would like to support our media ministry on a monthly basis or through a one-time gift, kindly write to us at faithharvestnagaland at gmail.com and visit our website www.faithharvest.in and you can go to the giving section. 
you can also give through this UPI ID 700-568-4533 at Paytm. God bless you and thank you so much for your generosity.